So the subject of this camp is the foundations of Indian culture. Because it seems someone was inquiring what is the topic for this camp. I think they had announced it. But uh, once again just to understand. So there is something called a civilization and something which is known as culture. Civilization is more like something more outward the legal system, the uh, way a place is constructed, built. So that's about civilization. It has its own values. But culture is something much deeper. Culture is the finest flower that emerges out of the collective effort of a group of people. So we can take the image of a tree. So a tree has a seed and from the seed spring roots from the roots come out, comes out the trunk and then there are branches and then there are flowers and uh, fruits of different kinds. So, um, we can take a few examples of how different cultures have formed over a period of time. For instance, the American culture. So, how it started, we all know that it started with the Red Indians, the natives and how the uh, you know people came all the way from Europe and they killed them or almost made them captive and then subsequently over that using those natural resources which, which were in abundance they built a whole structure of civilization that we know similarly when we know about Australia how people prisoners were sent and then you know eventually it was a place for prisoners and same with South Africa and then they over a period of time developed so in different places we have Chinese nobody knows how the Chinese culture began it is said that they came from the moon the mother seems to have confirmed this, that yes, they came from the moon and hence they share the coldness of the moon. So, it's very interesting if you look at this. And during this early phase, we see a lot of civilizational movements going around. Groups of humanity were moving here, there and everywhere. And in that course of time, there was some... Uh, this is where there is a little bit of um, misunderstanding with regard to Indian thought. Uh, some say that they were a group of uh, people who came all the way from north. North means not North India, but up north. And uh, probably Russia and further up. And they came and invaded the natives in India. And then they became settlers. And they were the Aryans and they drove away the Dravidians. So, um, obviously this, was, this narrative was created to justify all over that, okay, fine. Um, if British have occupied the land, what's the big deal? You people have also occupied the land. Uh, very few people are aware that Dravid is a Sanskrit word actually. You know, it literally, <laughs> it means a place surrounded by three sides by water. So it comes from that route. And uh, apart from that, the myth of Aryan invasion has been completely ousted except it is preserved by some vested political parties there are unthinking human beings always who buy such things. It gives them a cause to fight. We need a cause to fight. Of course, we can fight without a cause. Uh, human beings' favorite pastime is to learn to quarrel. So, so it doesn't really require much. Uh, uh, but that's how the narrative was kept. And now, in way back in 1914, Shobindu speaks about this as a myth. And he gives philological evidence and the evidence which is there in the Vedas itself. Because the myth was perpetuated based partly on the writings on the Vedas 
and partly on all kinds of corrupted historical evidence. For instance, if two um, elephants were found dead in up what is today Pakistan, so there was a whole um, thing that you know a whole group of people were killed, not elephants, horses. So a whole group of people were killed. There were horsemen who came and they were killed during a war. Now, if, if there is a war, you don't find just two horses. You find plenty of things all around. So all kinds of narratives were built. Then in the Vedas, there is the talk about the Aryan and uh, Dravidian. Uh, the talks about the Aryans always engaging in war. So they said, whom were they engaging in war with? The Dasyus, the Panis. And these Dasyus and Panis were the South Indians whom they... Um, were naturally fighting against. They were invoking their god Indra and the southern people were invoking their god Shiva. And that's how the myth was created, to create a southern and northern divide. Then again, many of the um, aspects, uh, philologically and otherwise, um, were, were turned into a kind of perpetual conflict taking place between these two. Because the Aryans... Uh, the Vedas do speak about conquests and not one conquest but several conquests. So whom were they conquering? So this is because in the western context nobody could understand that in India conquest meant primarily an inner conquest. So Swaraj was something to be won inside us and then Samraj, it extends outside. So this idea of self-conquest was something completely new. Now, Shurabindu, of course, based on philology, several places he reveals that's a whole subject by itself. And what may or may not have happened, this is the part where there is a little bit of confusion, is possibly, the, obviously there was no invasion, no, I mean, skirmishes between tribes always take place, but no invasion of the kind that Aryan settlers came from outside and drove away the natives. This theory is more or less gone. The third reason why they built this narrative was based on the river Saraswati. So river Saraswati is, uh, was not found. So it was believed that river Saraswati was somewhere around Iran and that side. So there is a lot of mention of Saraswati around which the civilization was built. So these were the people who were there and then they came down, further down and then they invaded, they settled as Indus Valley and then they invaded others and became settlers here. But now it has been found there is archaeological evidence and every kind of evidence that there is, there was river Saraswati, still it is there, its course runs down below, below the earth. It has vanished of course because of uh, different geological reasons. So river Saraswati does exist, did exist and it existed where right now we have almost the fault line, dividing line between India and Pakistan. It was around that time, that side and not in Iran and these places. Yes, exactly. You can see there in uh, Gagar and another uh, one more village and there are satellite images. So there is actually the evidence of River Saraswati. So this myth as such went away and uh, what may have happened, which is where um, Lokman Tilak gave his theory of the uh, Aryan migration, which may be possible and Shurabindu doesn't refute it, he doesn't confirm it. That's quite likely that there were people in before this ice age who were far up in the Arctic Circle around that area and then they migrated. That was the time humanity was migrating everywhere. Nothing belonged to anyone. And that's how they came all this uh, place in this area which is known was known as Tridweep 
because it was a deep surrounded on three sides by water and uh, how far back did they uh, migrate one can almost uh, see the genealogy of lord rama so if you go back he is the first in a way suryavanshi king sir first were the suryavanshis and you see 25 generations before so one can just make a rough calculation see lord rama 25 generations they have the entire lineage of kings coming one after another they are all already there on record and documented and then comes lord rama then after the suryavanshis we have chandravanshis the yadu clan comes out of that so there is a whole lineage which has been described in great detail which has been completely missed out by historians uh, largely because of vested interest it suited to say that in india the aryans themselves were invaders so if the britishers came what's the big deal you invaded and we have also invaded you conquered we conquered so this was the basic thing but that's this has relevance when we speak about indian culture but that's not how indian culture ever was formed that there were people who invaded and they suddenly spoke about battles and fights and conquest over outer um, uh, local natives that's not how the indian culture was formed so shirvindo reveals that what is at the root of indian culture and he brings out um, all the secret truths which is enshrined in the vedas so vedas are the foundation so we can take that vedas and the key ideas in the vedas are the seeds out of which indian culture has sprung and we see the roots in the early writings the vedic uh, writings which are something so marvelous and we'll touch upon them so they are the roots and then the trunk is the whole body of civilization you know a trunk always documents layers after layers the several layers of civilization which f- went up and up and finally we see the finest flowers and fruits which we can call as culture so the word culture comes from cultivate so that's how we have agriculture and cultivation so what was being cultivated the soil of human nature it was being cultivated who was cultivating it they were our forefathers they were cultivating the soil of human nature what way why were they cultivating to bring out the seeds which are there inside and help it to blossom so the word aryan meant two things simultaneously the root was ar meaning thereby something which is sharp like the blade of a sword or the blade of the plow so they were farmers and warriors of another kind so shubhinda has written a great you know a long note on the word arya because uh, he had kept the name of the journal monthly journal as arya which was launched um, officially on 21st june 1914 and the first edition came out on 15th august 1914 does 21st june remind us of something see what a strange coincidence if coincidence it is it was not planned it was not that you know <laughs> modi ji had in mind that this should be the date and 21 june the day arya through the pages of arya we see what shirbindo writes in one of his poems page by page to the dim children of earth were given so we see these great truths coming out through the arya and someone asked him why you have kept the name arya because that term was already getting distorted 
See, before the divine advent takes place, before a new creation has to be started, man does not know because we live from moment to moment, day to day. In our mind, we live for a whole generation. But <laughs> the reality is we are living every day to day. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. As Sri Aurobindo reveals in Savitri, man still a child in nature's mighty hands, in the succession of the moment lives. His memory stares back at a phantom past. The future flees before him as he walks. To a narrow present is his right. That's all. So because we live like that, we try to understand things in that context. So Sri was revealing through the Arya what really were these early, our great, 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 great grandfathers and grandparents doing. So what they were doing, they were pluffing the soil of human nature to discover what is there inside it. What is there hidden inside? Is there something, some truth concealed behind all this universe? So they started digging deep into it. Just like science is digging deep with outer instruments, whereas the seer started digging deep with inner instrument. So how do we dig? When we dig something, we need a plough, we need uh, you know all those heavy metal things to go deep inside the earth. If it is rocky earth, we need still more hard labour. So what was the power that they discovered, which we all know, with which they were digging deep. So yesterday someone was asking about meditation. This is the power, the power of concentration. It's the faculty which is most misused in human nature, a faculty which is most, you know, with this one faculty, so much can be done. So just by the power of concentration, how did they concentrate? Well, they picked up the idea, what is behind this cosmos? What is behind creation? What is within me? What is the origin of it all? And by concentrating upon the idea, they reached, concentration is like a laser beam. The more we concentrate, what do we concentrate actually? We concentrate consciousness. That's the one thing we have. So, animals do not concentrate. They are moved by instinct. They can concentrate for a moment, but it's mostly on outward things. But we have, we have become aware that there is something called as awareness. Animals are also aware, but they are not aware that they have awareness. So consciousness, they concentrated the consciousness. It's very simple. Uh, normally our mind, our heart, our will is thrown in hundred directions. Always, almost invariably. So when we try to fix it on one object... The truth of that object begins to yield its secret reality. That is the principle of concentration through which one realizes the divine himself. So for instance, if the thought fixes on this one object, the divine, it can fix it on a name. Shiva, 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 Heva, Sudev, anything, doesn't matter. Mother, Shurabindo, Ma, Ma, Ma. By fixing the concentration on an object, taking help of an idea, taking help of a name, a time comes when one goes behind name and form because name and form are constructs. That also they went into discovering what constructed and how it came into being. And they discovered the secret reality. And what was that secret reality? Which is what um, 
yesterday we were talking about ek ekam sad vipra bahuda vadanti there is one reality they are not two logically also you can't have multiple origins of this creation <laughs> i have one origin you have another origin just imagine how then what was the origin of all these origins so there was one origin and that has burst forth into this many splendid universe this they discovered but you know they were scientists in their own right so was this discovery could it be replicated so they started passing on what they have discovered to those who were seekers so that's how ashrams came into being the master who had discovered ashrams were not meant for like okay we'll make very good buildings nice and people can come and stay there everything is arranged everything is catered for now you live in the ashram do some work and yes you are an ashramite because you have a stamp and there is a official ashramite it it was never meant to be like that so there were seekers who came because one person who conquers something or realizes something now people talk about there is a term called magnetic resonance so there is a resonance in the earth because of the interconnectedness so if there is one thought in someone and one makes it very strong and powerful it has a capacity of radiating if it sounds very strange then isn't it true that everything in this creation radiates does not light radiate from whatever source it is and goes to the far end of space and returns back words sounds everything radiates and then it returns back there is a kind of circular movement so also thoughts radiate nothing unusual about it feelings radiate will radiates so because some of these who searched possibly they were involutionary beings the mother says they were beings who came from uh, worlds of higher higher realms and they came to open the doors that's how the mother reveals quite likely there i mean mother says it is obviously true but to put it in another perspective to believe that earth is the only domain is another one of those uh, caged kind of thinking why because it is to believe that there is one origin which is so transcendental so subtlest of subtle and suddenly there is this hard concrete matter called earth would there be links it is something like saying that you know um hard rock suddenly out of it there emerges the possibility of computer chips there would be steps and stages even a simple act of boiling the water turning into vapor and condensing vapor let's take that other way example how does vapor become ice it passes through a stage called liquid stage so it's only logical to assume that that consciousness which is at the origin of things to become this hard concrete reality there would be steps and stages unless we assume that at the origin also there was only nothing but hard rocky <laughs> something the problem with that is this is what material science says that only a material nature was at the origin the problem would be that if material nature mechanical nature is at the origin how did consciousness emerge so we go back to the same circular argument this argument doesn't carry merit because something which is not inherent 
within the origin cannot emerge suddenly as a freak accident. If consciousness is not inherent in the origin of things, it cannot emerge. It's not a magic which is taking place. So consciousness, the Vedic mystics discovered that there is pure existence, pure consciousness at the origin of things. And it emerges step by step, step by step, step by step. And goes through countless layers. And that's how this creation, the warp and woof of creation is found. And the name of this one which they discovered, very interestingly, they didn't give a name in this sense that there is no name. You can give any name and there is no name. And yet they gave a name. Why they gave a name? Name is supposed to be describing the quality of something. So what was the quality? What was the essence of what they discovered as the origin? They said it is true existence. All existences derive from that one existence. So it is Sat. So we'll hear very often Om Tat Sat. Tat. That. True substance. True existence. So they discovered Sat. They kept on going behind all these existences. Do we question our existence? No, we don't. If somebody asks a question, do I exist? Do you exist? He'll say, please don't be stupid. Somebody asks a question, does God exist? Isn't it strange that I exist? Can I prove it? I can only prove it by phenomena, my existence. Maybe everything is happening mechanically, but I exist. There is something like a divination within us that I exist. So if I exist, this existence must owe its origin to some ultimate existence. That ultimate existence is Sat, true existence. But is it only existence, just existing? No, it is creating, countlessly creating this myriad universe. It is power, it is force, it is wisdom. So it is also Chittapas. Consciousness. It's existence, it is consciousness. Why consciousness? There are two aspects of it, knowledge and power. So everywhere in creation you will see an embedded knowledge. If somebody has put a chip inside, as I was saying, a seed will grow into the tree which the seed is. It's <laughs> embedded inside. Animals, they will act in a way which is circumscribed. And strange ways, they act Animals, plants act in a way as if they are really conscious and living. They are not that way conscious the way we are. They are living. But they behave in ways. If they meet an obstacle, they bypass it. They discover new way strategies. The simple act of trees, the way they move towards the light is itself amazing. So there is a knowledge embedded in creation. And this knowledge is not just knowledge, it's power. Look at this material universe. Just to take this, all the power and energy which is there in this material universe is mind-boggling. So they said there is not only Sat, there is Chit Shakti. And then what is it doing in this universe? Why this universe has come into being? For what purpose? We want to know why this Sat Chit has entered into this vast area of stars, galaxies, drifting into space, this uh, journey from dust to man and God knows in how many planets what all is happening. So they gave this answer 
for the sake of Ananda. So again we see that everywhere there is a little bit of Sat inside us. Everybody exists this much. I'm sure we don't have to prove to somebody that I exist. Proving will be very difficult. You'll say I exist because I'm speaking. No, no. Speaking is a mechanical act. Robots can speak. Alexa can speak. No big deal. I move my hands. Robots can move the hands. I think computer behaves as if it thinks. So if you keep asking the such questions, somebody says, okay, I know I exist. I am. Huh? Even if I'm doing nothing, I am. Won't you say that? The last answer will be, even if I'm doing nothing, even if I'm in coma, don't take it that I don't exist. <laughs> I am. So they discovered the original I am. So consciousness and the phenomena. In science, you talk about consciousness and nomen and consciousness. So we have this phenomena which is varied and this phenomena emerges out of consciousness. So chittapas. And why? Because of ananda. What is the evidence? See, whatever one may do in life, one may be very disgusted with life and say that life is a horror. If God comes by chance hearing your cry, Chalo, chale. Sir, theek hai, wo keh diya tha. Thoda baaki hai, sir, wo. Shayad promotion aahi jaye. Kya pata, share market upar chale hi jaye. Nahi, mein bata raha hoon, nahi aane wala, nahi honne wala hai, kuch. Par sir, wo bete ki shadi thi na, wo. Nahi, nahi, tumne kaha tha na, chalo, chalte hai. Phir a jayenge, bete ki shadi hoge. Sir, pote ka muh to dekh le. Why? Because a secret sap of Ananda runs in creation. You see, it is so amazing. This Ananda sustains us. Ananda impels us. And that original Ananda, what the divine would have experienced, that Sat and Chit coming together and bursting into what they would have experienced, there are at least two states in which, or three states in which one can experience in a human life. One is when a mother out of her womb brings out a baby. It's regarded as a transcendent experience. Out of your own substance you have created something. It, it's such a marvel, bundle of joy. It's just unimaginable. Motherhood. It's an experience. It's so deeply embedded in nature. Another, well, everybody can't be a mother. And there's no necessity to be. But we can be mothers in another sense. When a poet brings out poetry out of his being, when an artist paints a picture, when someone writes something very beautiful flowing from within, when you make a work of sculpture, when a scientist discovers something new, Eureka, not Forbes. So what happens? What happens? Why this joy comes in? It is the joy of original creation. So it is called Creativity. Any kind of creativity gives joy, delight. And this creativity gives us youthfulness. Always to move towards something greater, future. So youth, camp is not only about rock climbing. It's about climbing the inner rocks. 
taking that challenge. That is the real challenge. So our original forefathers, they named it Satchidananda. And all of us are miniature Satchidanandas. Little bit of existence, little bit of consciousness, moves within range, and little bit of Ananda. So they said, if all of us have come from that, and that source must be in everyone. It has to be, it's logical. And all of us in a miniature, we are this only. Then they saw that, why are we wanting so many things? Because we are trying to recreate that same original truth. Whatever we may say, children, when they move away from their parents' house, in their house they may have got very angry with parents, don't, don't touch my things, don't arrange this, that. But when they go, they carry its fragrance and they want to recreate that. Some way or the other, it's just inbuilt into our system. They want to some way or the other connect at some level, some essence they carry. It's not in the details, but something in the essence. So what was that essence? So ignorantly we try to do the same thing here. If I have all the existence as mine, I'll become that one existence. So the Rishi says, no. Because this existence and that existence, there is a big gap. Yes, it is also an existence, but a very diminished existence. You must reclaim the original existence. So original existence is, it's like when a prince is brought up by, um, you know, we have that story of uh, Oedipus. We have several stories like that. That a prince is brought up by the Another village he has been abandoned. And they are his parents. But he is actually in search of his original parents. Because then he discovers his true lineage, capacities. There is a story of Karna. All his life he is discovering. Who are my original parents? So, even if we reclaim all the world at this level, we still cannot. We have to discover that original parentage. One true existence, the true Sat. And that Sat origin, the journey to that, has to be taken inwardly because that source is within us. Similarly, we have a seeking for power and knowledge because Chit Shakti. We are limited, we want to be unlimited. We are finite, we want to be infinite. So what do we do? We try it by having reading all the books in the world by, you know, scanning everything, uh, all the information. But can it give us knowledge? It cannot give us knowledge. It will give us loads of information. Information which we cannot handle, which will, you know, only make us, make our minds collapse. So we have to again go back to the source knowledge, the source power. And same with Ananda, we try by this little joy, that little joy and all the joys and pleasures together. And yet, it cannot recreate that ananda. We can recreate it by discovering that original ananda. Is it possible? Our Vedic Rishi says, yes, it is possible. Because why it is possible? Because it is within you, so it is possible. Is it possible only within me? No, it is in everybody. It is there in every creation, every element, nityo, nityanam, everywhere it is there. Take anything and go to its core, you will discover it. Even if one goes deep inside the world, one will end up discovering God. 
But it's much easier to go inside because you are moving through subjective spaces. So when you go inside, you discover the same Satchidananda. And then they gave another great utterance, something which is uh, so we all, I'm sure we all know it, but it's so marvelous. It changes life transforming idea they gave to all of us. What is it? Which we don't find in other religions. There are Semitic religions which say you are here, God is there, you did a mischief, you are a wicked fellow, you are here damned, condemned. Sir, is there, is there a way out? Okay, subscribe to our belief. At the end of Kayamat, you will be just and you will be allotted a seat in heaven or hell forever. Sir, what about coming back to you? No, 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 that's not possible. You lost your chance, one chance of being with me. <laughs> what does Indian thought say? Look at the very root. What did they discover? They were scientists. They discovered profound truths. One truth was, Sohamasmi. There is no difference essentially between me and the divine. Can we imagine the implications of this discovery? It means every time I say I am a useless fellow, Every time I say there is no hope, I am uttering a lie. How can there be no hope when in its origin I am that? All that is needed is that I need to discover this truth inside. And in fact, every time I am faced with impossible situations, see it opens so many doors. Every time I face with an impossible situation, all that I need is to turn back to that original source. It is a reminder that look, the joy you experienced was imperfect. Find Ananda, you won't need it. You will just let it go. Why? Because this is a degradation. Somebody who has tasted the original Balmithai. Balmithai is a bad example. Nowhere else you find it except Nainital. Huh? They have not patented it. All of Kumau, well, Kumau is not world, no. But I can give another example of uh, Gattiki Sabji, which my mom used to make. It was so favorite and dear to me. Now when I go anywhere, nobody know, knew how to make Gattiki Sabji. They had not even heard about it. Then sometime people tried to make it out of love. And I would taste it. How is it? How can I say it is not the same? <laughs> It just cannot be the same. So I say, achhi hai. <laughs> yeah, so this is where we, they said you have to discover and when you discover I am that, then where is the, you know, you have that original touch. So all these seemingly impossible. Every time they made that Gatteka Sabji to come to that example, I remembered my mom. You know, I said, in my heart, huh? I didn't tell them that mommy jaisa nahi bana hai. That'd be very... <laughs> but I would think that oh, my mom used to take so much care and she used to, you know. Other days I may not remember, but every time I confronted something like that, where I could see the contrast, I said, yes, she used to make with so much love. Every time we confront an impossible situation in life, this is called gatta psychology, okay? Don't... <laughs> Every time I discover an impossible situation, all that we need to remind ourselves is, Soham Asmi, I am that. 
and along with that a complementary truth they came you know you get one truth you get one complementary free that is the original god's plan not like you nowadays you the present plan is you buy one joy get two complementary sorrows free they are in footnote god's plan is buy one great truth get another complementary free so what was the complementary truth to this sohamasmi tattvamasi you are also that see yesterday we were talking about indian civilizational values why india had this never had this tendency to go out conquer invade because not only i am that you are also that they have to be seen together if we only say i am that ravana said aham brahmasmi sohamasmi i am that i am brahman but he forgot tattvamasi monkey you are also that man you are also that everybody is that if you we know that where will be the question of fights invasion but what do we do if there are those who don't believe it ravana didn't believe it took only half the truth and therefore you know those who were the defenders of this great civilization had to fight there was no choice left because on one side we want to establish a world order in which we all remember we are divine when mother was asked how can humanity become one she gave a very simple reply she didn't say let's uh, have an interfaith dialogue perhaps if you remove all these little little faiths it'll be probably much easier <laughs> she gave a different solution altogether she says by becoming conscious of your origin if my origin stops at 600 ad or if my origin stops at 32 bc then it's the dead end what was before that suddenly god came he created things but if my origin is endless and infinite there is no end to self discovery there is no more quarrels before any religion my, my origin is not my religion so what did the vedic rishis say they were very conscious of this that they don't turn it into another religion so the vedic rishis kept on saying we have received this from our forefathers there is a whole chapter in secret of the vedas where shrivinda says the human forefathers who were these forefathers we don't know their name religion but they discovered the same truth and that's why you see if you read any of the puranas they will talk at the end about all the earthly stories and everything but where does purana starts from it starts from how creation started vishnu bhagwan is sleeping on the couch and how vishnu bhagwan came into existence then from the navel lotus emerges then brahma ji comes he does the stuti vishnu bhagwan wakes up you wonder what is happening all this drama is why i want to know about myself well they are doing just the thing that needs to be done if i want to know about myself and start with my great grandfather then that's my dead end i think you must have seen no chennai express and how she goes and <laughs> looks at the family photo <laughs> i don't want to mention and she, oh you people are doing this and she's you know 
uh, in a way shocked. So we have to understand who were our great, greatest great origin. And when we remember my origin is not this jati, not this sampradaya, not this religion, not this belief system, not this non-belief system because there is a belief system of non-belief. Take very proud. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. So I'll touch. I'll take uh, promise saying that <laughs> what is this? You know, it's such an absurdity. As if people can't tell lies touching a book. Which century I don't know we are living in. All that they need to show is with my heart as witness. That's why they said, didn't say all this. Who was the witness? Not a book. So they reminded us. Suryo yatha sarva lokasya chakshu. Nalipyate chakshushe bahe dosha. The original witness in our legal system. Suryo yatha sarva lokasya chakshu. Now I'll see. See just in this phrase how many truths are enclosed. Suryo yatha sarva lokasya chakshu. Nalipyate chakshushe bahe dosha. Eko vashi sarva antaratma. Sarva bhutantaratma. Rupam, Rupam, Pratirupo, Babhuva. Who is the witness? One, materially the sun, inwardly the creator's son. See, sun, why sun is worshipped? Sun is the creator, he symbolizes the creator. Why? If you see earth, all the planetary system has emerged out of the sun. Even the core of earth contains something of the sun. The sun is quietly sitting out there, like the CEO in his office, but everything on earth, entire journey of evolution, cooling down, ultimately water is formed because sun says, okay, I'll diminish my rays, thermostat, and then water is formed and then it doesn't evaporate like happened probably on Venus. And then slowly, the change of seasons, what is there that is possible without the sun? Six days there was no sun in one of those ice ages and the entire humanity went away. Why there was no sun? Because of the island, uh, Indonesian volcano eruption. So it was so badly covered. No light could reach and the whole atmosphere had become uh, toxic and just thousand human beings survived. And then the whole civilization came up. Yet, what is our relation with the sun? Is the life giver but is he of our immediate use? Ask somebody. Who is the most useful thing for us? Nobody will answer sun. So is with the divine. The inner creator who is the witness. Like the sun. Seems to be just sitting quietly inside. Shabinda uses the term. An incognito of the imperishable. We don't even know him. And yet he is conducting everything. So when we discover. So, so who is the witness? He is the witness. Now, what are its implications? Take a legal system where you are touching holy books and all different, different holy books or sometimes no holy book. Atheism. Meaning thereby, I don't know what my origin is, if there is any origin or not. I don't believe in anything. So, that kind of a approach. But imagine, if you say that my soul, my true self is the witness. Eko vashi sarva antaratma. Bhuta antaratma. Which self? The same which is in everyone. If we can grow up with this truth inside, then two truths emerge. One is, it is this which knows the truth. 
So another great, very wonderful, uh, which is inscribed in the constitution, and with this seed, uh, elaborating on this, we can stop. Is Satyameva Jayate. Satyameva Jayate Nanritam Satya Nepantha Vitato Deviana. Ye Nashnoti Rishyo Yaptakama. They conquered their desires and the Rishis and they found the truth which alone wins. Is it the same truth that my eyes report me? No. There is a truth which we don't even know. Very simply take an example. Outside, you see somebody quarreling. Or let's take an extreme act, slapping someone. See, yesterday we were talking about motive and we can go one step further. And the act. So you caught somebody stealing, let us say. So he is a criminal. Isn't it according to modern? He is a criminal. Then you go one step behind. You discover he was hungry. So you say, I don't know. Yes, according to law, he is a criminal, but maybe, you know, we should modify the law. He was hungry. You go one step behind. You discover that people were there who were greedy because of whom he was hungry. What is the relation? There were greedy people who had, you know, who were building heaps. And so, there was no equitable distribution of wealth. So he was hungry. How do you now punish all the <laughs> rich and famous people? So you go one step deeper. So discover people were <laughs> rich and overfed or fed up. And there were people who were poor and hungry because... That was the state of consciousness in which they lived. They didn't understand that to have more is not necessarily to be more. So why did they not understand this? Because they were ignorant. Why they were ignorant? Because they didn't have that light which alone can give us knowledge. Where is that light? That light is in the self. So many stories that original light, that story of Yagnavalk and Gargi. So, Yagnavalk enters King Janak's court and King Janak has announced, whoever is the greatest Brahmagyani, he can take thousand cows, horns tipped with gold, each cow, huh? not one cow. So, great People have come who believe they are Brahmagyanis. Yagnwalk also walks in with his disciples. So Yagnwalk enters and then king says, start the debate. Nobody is ready to start. Who will throw the first ball? So Yagnwalk says, see, you know, I am running short of time. Tells his disciples, please take the cows. What? Do you think you are a Brahmagyani? He says, I don't know about that, but I need the cows for my ashram. Very simple, practical. I need the cows. No, no, you have to answer the question. Then finally it is decided, Gargi will ask questions. And if Gargi is satisfied that he knows ultimate truths, then everything is fine. Look at the first suggestion in the story. We are told that, you know, in India women were oppressed. Who was asking the question to Yagnwalk? It's documented. Gargi. She was not even married. Just for information. 
Gargizas. He has written 30% of the Vedic rishas are written by women. Rishikas. She's a Rishika. And all the men in the assembly had no problem that if she declared that he's the winner, we will accept he's the winner. So Gargi asked question. Question number one. Tell me, what is that light with which we see when the sun is not? Yagnwalk says moon. What when the moon is not? The stars. When the stars are not fire. When the fire is not, then Yelva says the light of the self. Now all these of course are very symbolic. Sun is the ultimate truth. Moon is the spiritual mind. Stars are that kind of guidance we receive in life. That's why they are even called as guides. Astrologically you see them. Otherwise our own soul at least that fire inside us. If nothing, the self. That which is beyond all this. So Gargi says, on what is this self woven? What gave birth to self? How this self came into existence? And Yagnvalk says, Gargi, one more question. Your head will blow off into thousand pieces. Again, see, anti-feminist Yagnvalk poor fellow. He would have said the same thing if, if a man would have asked. Why? Because it means that there is a point to which your mental consciousness can take you. Beyond it, it must widen, vast and enlarge. It goes beyond thought. It goes into direct experience. What is that direct experience? The thousand petal lotus blooming above our head. He had his own way of saying it. The rishis were not devoid of humor. Your head will blow off into thousand pieces. What is that thousand pieces? This little crammed up cabin which we pride ourselves on. The ultimate to which you can stretch the mind, it blows off and we enter into the vast infinity of God. Thousand petal lotus. Gari understood. She didn't take offense. She said, yes, you are the winner. She knew. He knows the ultimate truth. That is the origin, the super mind from which a thousand rays of the sun are unleashed into creation. And then of course he carried the cows and each with gold tip. Now look, this is the, these are the seeds. So sun is the eternal witness. So often we say, I know the truth and this is true, that is true. What do we know? We don't know beyond the tip of our nose, beyond our eyes, beyond our ears. So the rishis gave path to discover the truth. So Satyamev Jayate is not about legal court case winning in the battle. Winning in a mock battle. Not battle because legal battles are all fixed matches largely. Huh? I, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but most of them are fixed at another level. Both the lawyers are, you know, just like both the teams after the cricket match is over, whoever wins or loses we are lamenting. Or rejoicing. Both are meeting in the hotel. Okay, next match we will see. Next time you will win. Both the lawyers are shaking hands. Anyways, okay. So let's prolong the dates as much as it can go. And the fact is nobody knows also the truth. I can't. They are genuine people also. So when we look at it, how they had understood all this complexity and they said first know the truth. So how to know the truth? They raised another question. Look how they were raising questions. 
how they were searching. So Kain Upanishad starts with a question. What is the question? Kain Upanishad. How do we think what we think? Now, we never think about our own thinking. We presume whatever I am thinking is the thing. I thought like that. Why did you think like this? So there is this question. Why do my eyes see the way they see? Till date, there is no clear answer why we perceive those atoms spinning in space as objects. There is no clear answer to that. It is called perception. How we perceive. Why I hear a vibration of sounds impacting upon my eardrum and I, it gets translated into meaningful sounds. Ever wondered? What is the eardrum receiving? It is receiving an impact of sounds. 010101 going to some area of the brain. And the brain translates it into sounds and words. What do my eyes receive? Photons. That's all. Photons. So my eyes receive photons. But it translates into meaningful images. I say, oh, you are this, you are that. It's the same photons, not different photons. But the way form is created. So they were not, uh, they wanted to know what happens, how. Look at the way, what scientific spirit. And they went on to the origin. That by which the mind can be known, but that which the mind cannot know. That by which... Speech is motivated, but that which the speech cannot reach. That by which my eyes can see, but that which the eyes cannot see. What is that? That is that invisible, unseen, something which is behind everything, motivating all things to function. And they called it consciousness. That is just imagine where did they reach? And they were not satisfied just with the intellectual argument. They wanted to discover that. That's how they built this once mighty um, civilization whose stories are legion. We cannot even imagine that was it really possible that somebody could invoke a mantra and there would be fire on the tip of an arrow. It sounds fantastic. Isn't it? But electronic lighters are already there. If you read the Viman Shastra of Bharadwaj Rishi, he speaks about four types of aircrafts. One which are Yantra Chalit, then those which are Mantra Chalit, Swa Chalit, Tantra Chalit. How did they discover that the principle of sound can move objects? Not just move. It can fly objects. Maybe we are close to discovering thinking machines. Not thinking machines in the sense that my thought can move objects. They are all energies released in this creation. And if my voice can bring light, if my clap can bring light, what prevents if you have something which can receive the impact of thoughts? In EG, we do pick up thought signals or at least the signals from the brain. What prevents thoughts can actually moving 
chair, cars, aircrafts. Just imagine all this they had developed by going to those seed states where there is the ultimate power and they had unlocked it. And now we understand why they lost it. Three reasons they lost it. It's very difficult to handle power. See what kind of powers had developed. Just look at the uh, age of Ramayana. What were the powers that, you know, all these uh, people had developed and once you have it on earth, it becomes generalized. What were the powers that Ravana wielded? He could have all these Navagrahas as prisoners. What does it mean? It means forces that weave our fate. Unseen forces. He had mastered them and captured them. Now imagine what an imbalance is happening in the creation. But always there are loopholes. So the loophole was, well, man will make you fall. Why man? Look at now the story in a different way. Ramayana is the story of a man, human. It also goes in the Vardhan. Man or the monkey or the animal. Why? Because the story is that the man fell down. An Asura, an Asura had fallen to man. And who, what Asura? Tremendous powers and everything. He had all the forces of fate within space and time which he could command. But there is something he could not command which man can command. What is that something? That something is that which is beyond space and time. That is what Rama represents. Ram Saman Prabhu Nahi Kahun Satchidanand who takes a human body so that human beings can realize Satchidanand. That is something only with man. So they discovered the uniqueness of man. Now look at the divergence. On one side we are told man is a fallen being, man is a sinner, man is a damned spirit, condemned person. What did our ancient forefather said, O man, thou art God. But I don't know it, sir. Yes, because the night is on thy soul. That night is called ignorance. Remove it. How do I remove it, sir? Remove it by the power of yoga. So they also gave a path by which we can realize this oneness with God. And that path by which we realize oneness with God is called yoga. Namaste.